We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lords by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lordsdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good morning and happy Sunday. Uh, we have a special occasion to celebrate today. Uh, well, yesterday. Yesterday was Deacon Darrell's birthday. He's just over the hill. <laughs> we love you, De- Deacon Darrell. Uh, thank you for your service. So the readings have been pointing us in the direction of uh, mission, Christian mission. It's kind of how they start with ordinary time. We've just celebrated Advent leading up to Christmas, this great moment of the incarnation um, that, of course, we mark in a special way. Verbum caro factu mass, right? The word became flesh. This is our celebration here at Lourdes, that God has become a human being and is with us. Um, that God has condescended. It's this great mystery of the Christian faith. God is with us. And now uh, we're given to pay attention to what that means for us, what that means um, in our call to participate in the life uh, and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, uh, to, to be conformed to Christ through our baptism. You know, what is our mission? That's the question that we're asking. And remember that the book of Revelation says that the Christians are the one who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Follow the Lamb wherever he goes. And the, the scriptures today uh, remind us of John the Baptist, this great moment where he points to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's a lot of strange paintings over the, uh, the course of Catholic history with John the Baptist uh, pointing to the Lamb of God. Not strange because it's John the Baptist and this scene, but because he has this huge hand. Go and look for those paintings. You can find uh, John the Baptist pointing to the Lamb of God, and you'll see it's, it's a strange hand. It's like one of those things that they bring to the ball game. but it's not like fuzzy and weird colors just big Um, behold the lamb of god this is the great thing um, that this this missionary does for us this great prophet behold the lamb of god it's a kind of a strange image i think if you think about it it's um, calling jesus the lamb of god john could have said all kinds of things here is god among us Here's my cousin. Here's the Messiah that we've been waiting for. You know, the king. Here is, he could say simply, the one who will take away the sins of the world. But he says, the Lamb of God. For us, this seems strange. I was um, doing a communion service at a Denver County Jail at one point, And we got to this point in the Mass where we say, um, or during the communion service, I wasn't a priest yet, Uh, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And this guy in the back says, That ain't no lamb. Why are you telling these people that that's a lamb? That's a cracker. That's not a lamb. So we had to kind of like quiet him. And and, uh, some of the guys got a little bit, you know, anxious. The guard comes in. Uh, So we explained afterward, um, tried to. Um, Some of what this meant, I mean, it is strange. Like, you know, what if I called this guy in the back 
there's the, uh, the great raccoon of the angels. Like, what is, did this mean anything? It, it, it has meaning to the people because they are already formed in this imagery. And they're formed to know through, the, through their scriptures that there's a destiny of this lamb, that there's an expectation around a lamb of God. And the New Testament <clears throat> talks about it primarily in two ways. Uh, one is the lamb as the paschal sacrifice. The lamb is the sacrifice that happens in, in the temple twice a day and a, a sacrifice that happens in a very special way and that that twice daily sacrifice points to uh, at Passover. You know, this is the great lamb that was sacrificed to mark the covenant with the people after they've been freed from slavery in Egypt. This is the great paschal sacrifice, the Lamb of God. So when John points to Jesus, he's saying, this one has come to take away the sins of the world, to be sacrificed, to be offered up where we owed, where we ought to be sacrificed, where sin and our selfishness should lead to death. God has taken on death, and he will sacrifice himself, his own son, in order to set us free, to save us from sin, to save us from death to give us new life. This is the Paschal sacrifice. Here is the Lamb of God who is destined uh, to die to set us free, to give us life, to give us life eternal. The image is also <clears throat> taken from the suffering servant songs of Isaiah. So the prophet Isaiah has um, four different songs in chapters 42, 49, 50, and 52 referring to a coming servant of God, a suffering servant, a son of God, who is going to be offered this, this, as an innocent victim, a righteous one who's proclaiming the good news to the poor, who's setting captives free, who's healing, who's preaching good news, but for some reason is tragically condemned, persecuted by his people, and killed. That's the suffering servant, this great hero, and Isaiah says in, uh, in the Suffering Servant Songs that like a lamb who was led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth, but he gave himself willingly. And in another song, Isaiah says, this is the one that because he was righteous, because he was innocent, God could not stand his persecution and watched his death, allowed it for the sake of the people, and then rose him brings him up into heaven and seats him at the right hand of the Father to reign forever. This is the glorious and triumphant lamb who was, was killed uh, by the people but was uh, vindicated by the Father. He goes up into heaven. And this is the image that the book of Revelation uses when it talks about the supper of the lamb. Here's the lamb seated on the throne, the one that has been slain, but the one who is triumphant and who reigns, the one who is the light in heaven and is the destiny of every Christian to be in the presence of this lamb. The, the Christian is the one who follows the lamb wherever he goes. We're the ones who somehow share mysteriously in the destiny of the lamb that we follow. I did a, I did a baptisms yesterday and I mentioned to, this, uh, to these families that 
baptism is a share in the death of Jesus and in his resurrection. And the first movement of baptism, being dunked in this water, is like being put in the grave. Something old dies in that place. Something bound to sin and death, something destined for hell. It's like everlasting selfishness and estrangement from God. And it's rescued. And we change and we can never go back. Like the Israelites who have passed through the waters um, and the waters close up behind them, they can't go back to Egypt. The, the teachings of the church is that baptism gives us an ontological change. That means it changes our being. That when we approach the font, um, we are a different person than when we leave from baptism. Somehow marked as children of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Something profound changes when we die and rise with Jesus. Something so profound that uh, it changes our sense of home. We know that our destiny is to be in heaven with God. We long for that place which is uh, the presence of the Lamb. Long for that feast of the Lamb. Like birds who have an instinct to flock south to Florida when it gets cold in Colorado. Uh, the Christian knows it's home and is moving in that direction. And we want that because we're born for that. That's our life. That's our place. The, the folks that were there, there's, there, were, there were Catholic parents, and there were, there were also some guests. I know the difference because you say, the Lord be with you. And there's two different responses. One is, and with your spirit, and about half of the crowd says that. The other half says, thank you. <laughs> uh, and some of, the, some of those folks looked at me very strangely. Why are you talking about death? Why do you talk about death? We just have these newborn babies. They're all dressed in white. This is a beautiful occasion. We're celebrating. And I could, t I could see their, I don't know, their frustration and their confusion. Um, the great fathers of the church, particularly the medieval fathers, would talk about how it's important for the Christian to remember death. They had this spirituality of memento mori. Pay attention to death. Remember death. And you might say, well, that's kind of depressing. Death is hard. Death is difficult. Death is really mysterious. We don't know what happens on the other side. It's, it's scary to look on death. How does that give us any hope? Why shouldn't that just make us depressed and dark? You know? But for the Christian, it's something different. Yes, death is difficult for the Christian. But death is a chance to meditate on our home, to meditate on our destiny, to think on the feast, the wedding feast of the Lamb. You know? um, what happens when we die? Okay, I'm going to get into some speculative stuff here. Father Kevin, forgive me um, if I go astray. You can correct me afterward. Uh, what happens after we die? Well, we do know, you know, there's a heaven, there's a hell, there's a purgatory. And these are places or states. You know, that's um, good catechesis. <coughs> it's true. Um, but aside from that, like, what happens when we die? I don't know, but I think it's, it's worth speculating about what, what could happen. And I will try this one. We die and we, we wake up in a place that's crowded 
some sort of station, some sort of um, environment that's crowded with people, everybody who's died about the same time we have, we're in the afterlife. And you get to some sort of doorway, and you, it, it opens up into a new world. And you have this sense that things are new here. And you say, uh, and someone at the doorways is kind of controlling people, ushering them out. And you, you ask them, well, where am I meant to go? Where do I go? And they say, well, wherever you want to go. Where do you want to go? And at first you're going to be like, well, I don't know. I don't know this place, right? I think for the Christian, there's something instinctual that will point us in a certain direction. Uh, it's been depicted in the history of Christian art as some difference among the saints, that there's some, some sort of halo. I don't know, I think it's kind of cheesy, but maybe you got a halo. Uh, and other people have halos, so you might say, oh, I should talk to that one. Uh, there's something different that we'll recognize about each other that'll help us. No? I, but my hope is that, and I think this is, that this is how it works, is that we'll see opportunity and we'll say, well, I could do all kinds of things. I could do what I want. What about all of those things that I couldn't do when I was alive? Here's a new chance. I'll go get the degree that I, I couldn't before. I'll go get the car that I couldn't. I'll go to the gym a lot more because I couldn't follow up on my resolution. <laughs> I could go skiing all the time. I don't know. I don't know what kind of possibilities. If you saw a new chance, what would we want? But this little girl comes up and she says, she says, come with me. I'm calling you. I chose you and I want you to come with me. And you say, well, where are we going? And she says, let's go to the, sup the, 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 the supper of the lamb. Let's go to the wedding feast of the lamb. Now, if you don't know what that is, you probably say, uh, uh, I don't like lamb. <laughs> Never been a fan of that green jelly stuff. Um, if you know what that is, you say, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. And I envision that this is little Mary, who we prayed for a long time. You pray for me at the hour of my death. You be there at the hour of my death. You know? um, or saints, or other Christians. They point the way and they say, Come with me. God has called you. And we, and we arrive at the, the wedding feast of the Lamb, and it's better than we could have ever imagined. They're singing. They're, they're dancing. They're welcoming us. We feel more dignity than we've ever felt before. Um, we're honored somehow. We're amazed by the gift uh, that we have received to be called to this place, to be called to this life forever. We're filled with gratitude for the sacrifice that the one that has loved us so much has made for us. Um, we find ourselves at home. That's our destiny. Because of the Lamb, and we're grateful to the Lamb. This is where we follow him to the end, and the end is beautiful, it's perfect. It's, it's the end for which we were made, and it's our home. That's a beautiful destiny. And St. Paul, you remember St. Paul says, um, I would love to go and be with Jesus, but I stay for your sake, the sake of his communities that he served. I stay for your sake. He saw a mission that he has. 
He knows his destiny. But this happens to us in baptism, too. You know, we die, we cannot die again. Something very profoundly uh, changes in us. And we're destined for an end that we don't have right away. And sometimes I wonder, like, why, Lord, do you keep us here? Why do you let us stay in this valley of tears? And he says, Mike, I need a light to the world. I want to remain in the world. I want to save more souls. I'm giving you a mission. That's why you're here. Uh, I need you. I need you to be a light. And so we follow the Lamb. And he teaches us how to, how to follow our mission, how to accept our mission. He feeds us with himself. And he invites us into uh, his presence. Here in the Mass, we learn how to follow Jesus, how to accept our mission, and how to use it. Um, how to pray with him. At the beginning of the Mass, we come and we uh, admit that we are sinners. And we cry out, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We need help. We've been given a light at our baptism, and he says, go and shine this light. And the light gets dim sometimes, and we come back and we say, Lord, have mercy. You know, Be that grace in my life. Bring healing to me. Bring, when I'm discouraged, give me hope, give me strength. And he does so. And the Mass goes on. And we're meant to, at that point, having received the mercy of God, set aside ourself. Now we enter the presence of God in service. Like that lamb who came to serve, who came to take away the sins of the world, to give himself. We enter into this point where when we say, Lord, have mercy, and we will again. When Jesus comes to the altar, we say, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, have mercy on us. At this point, we've set ourselves beside, aside. The Lord has forgiven us. The Lord has purified us and cleansed us. He has united us to himself. And when we say, Lord, have mercy, like the folks did in the, in the Gospels, when they're saying, Lord, heal me. Lord, make things better for me. Lord, forgive me. Now we're praying for all of those who are close to us and those who we love. We're bringing them with us to Mass. We're offering them on the altar. This is the most beautiful act of service that we can do. It's an act of charity. Lord, I know people who can't pray, who are afraid of God, who are angry at God. I'm praying for them. I'm entering into the presence of God. I'm loving you for them. I know people who are hurting and are so trapped in pain that, they can, uh, that they're losing hope. Lord, have mercy. Help us. We come, to the, we come before the Lamb and we beg for God's mercy. And after, saying, after repeating, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, so many times through Mass, the last time is followed by this Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, grant us peace. You know, this is an act of trust where we let go of our fear and our control. We've prayed to the Lord, you help us, help us. And then at some point we have to say, I can't, exp I can't set up a timeline. I can't set up expectations. I don't know how you're going to help us, but I trust you. And in the meantime, give us peace. And that's where we rest. When we're sent from the Mass, we're sent with go in peace. That's where we reside. 
We come back at the end of next week and we'll say, Lord, we have all these needs. We have all these people that we're offering to you. And then we're, we're filled with the Lamb of God, with his strength, with an assurance of an answer to the, the prayers that we have. And then he says, go in peace. So our life this week is to look at that Lamb, meditate on heaven, meditate on the joys of heaven, and know that you're destined for heaven. You know, that the lamb has died for us. Sometimes we get worried and stuck in um, a real worry that we're going to screw it all up with our weaknesses. You, know? you ever been there? Sometimes I'm there. Um, the, the death of the lamb, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is so much stronger. We've been changed. We've been changed with the power of baptism. Meditate on heaven. And then meditate on your mission. Look around and say, Lord, who have you given to me? Who do I bring to Mass with me when I go? And how can I offer this sacrifice for them? Who am I asking mercy, the mercy of God for? Well, it's a beautiful life that we've been called to. You are a gift. You have been called to be a gift. You're a light to the nations, and you're a gift to the people around you. You bring them Christ, and you present them to Christ. Well, that we might all be saved. That the Lord might... Um, extend the light into the darkness, into the world. No, it's a beautiful mission. And we thank the Lord. We thank him for his presence. We thank him for his mercy. And we thank him for his peace.